great to worship together. And we turn now to the Word of God in Exodus. And if you have your Bibles and want to turn there, we're in Exodus chapter 11. It's a fantastic passage we get to look at this morning. Super amazing. And it never ceases to get me. You know, once in a while, and this is one of those weeks where I got to go and teach in the public school, the high school up in Linden, and uh, talk about talk about the Lord. And it's amazing to me always what people know. And generally, people know, and maybe you know too, they know the Ten Commandments. They know of them anyway. They know a lot of things about the Bible. They've heard the name Jesus. They kind of know this concept of God out there. And they generally think God is, uh, there's information about God in this book that we talk about. And I don't know as Christians, and you're here at this, I'm so grateful for our body. And I trust the Lord is using you in ways you don't even know as you begin to get the actual message of the word. Do you know the word? The word, I say the word, and I think it's the Bible, right? You think, well, the Bible, the Bible's the word. And I get up every morning and read my Bible, and I read passages in my Bible, and I start to, to think and, and, and know that all the Bible is for my edification and for my building up. And you guys, it's so good to know your Bibles. But what starts to blend is I just take all these things, and none of them have weight. They're all just important things from the Bible. Psalm 120, Exodus 14. Maybe I read Proverbs 31 this week. And and I fear for us that people don't realize that Jesus Christ is the word. You realize that, right? The word is Jesus. And the things in the Bible, the things you read, are things that teach and point you to Jesus they're not all the same, you know. <laughs> I was talking about Ephesians in the end of Ephesians. Hey, greetings to this person, greetings to that person. Well, that's profitable for training in righteousness. No, the message of Ephesians is that the depth of God is so, the depth of God's love for you, that Christ's love for you is so deep, you can never understand it and respond to this incredible love in Christ. It can be that way, especially in the Old Testament. We read the Old Testament and you don't realize where is Jesus? You say, well, Dax, tell me where the frogs point to Jesus. You know, those swarms. Of, how about the flies? How about this? How about that? No, 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 wait. Today is the day when you get to see that there is an emphasis and a message in the Bible, that the reason why some things are there are to help us get to the wondrous picture that's so important for you, which is Jesus Christ has saved you by his blood and he has done it and it is finished. So that's really the message? Yeah, that's the message. Even in the Old Testament, your sins forgiven, (laughs) you covered by God and he does it for you. So I want to show you we're there in Exodus, and, and, and it's a fantastic, amazing passage. And this one, this last scene, the 10th plague, is incredibly important. Not for us today as we try to make connections to Jesus, but important in the text. 
The Bible itself, as you read it, say, this is the emphasis. This is the important thing that you got to get. So if you never get who the 12 minor prophets are, if you can't recite the 10 plagues to me, I don't care. I care about this. Do you realize they're all building up to this? And I want to show you, so you have in your own heart, this is actually the word of God. It's not just the pastor saying, oh, I really like this passage. No, the Bible. It's so amazing. Come with me. Take a look. Here it is. It's chapter 11. I'm calling it deliverance because it is the bound up deliverance that God does for his people, Israel. And it starts with the multiplying of wonders. So walk with me. Chapter 11, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Yahweh did. That one of you see those capitals, right? You can say Yahweh. We say Lord in English, but it's his name. Yahweh said to Moses, yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. (laughs) That's kind of interesting. And, and Yahweh gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. Okay, so this kind of starts it off with something God's already said to Moses. But we left off last time with Moses and Pharaoh having this interaction at the end of the ninth plague. Where Pharaoh says, if I ever see you again, I'm going to kill you. Moses said, you said it. And that audience isn't over. He's still there with, but you have this piece where God breaks in and says, look, you got to understand God has built up Moses through these plagues that have come on Egypt, right? Three cycles of three. We've done them now. I say three cycles of three because it's super obvious in the text. Each one says first, the first one of the three pieces. Now you go in to to Pharaoh, wait to where he's going to come by and then talk to him. The second one is go to him. And the third one, no introduction. And then cycle two, okay, now go into him and now, and, and, and now wait to him and now do nothing. The same thing. And it builds up cycle three, which is the number of completion, and then another three, the number of completion, and then another three, and three sets of three, totally complete, all through the plagues. Blood, frogs, gnats, remember those? Flies, disease on the livestock, boils, hail, locusts, then darkness. The perfect, the only time people really, in Egypt, all of the Egyptians, the only time they really know God, he appeared and did this stuff. The power of God knew to them. This God has appeared. And everything getting worse and stronger. None of that's weird. Gods do powerful stuff. Do you know what the weird thing is? God hardened Pharaoh's heart so we wouldn't let him go. He said that. He said, he said okay, what, what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to do this horrible, powerful plague, and then I'm going to harden his heart. He won't let him go. And then he did it again and again. And we want to blame Pharaoh, but it says in the text, God hardened his heart. Why? Any one of those horrible plagues, powerful God. And he could have said, this is the one. This is it. This is it. Let my people go. 
And then the text says, well, and then the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he didn't let him. All the people of Egypt were going, you idiot, let him go. And now finally God says, ask your neighbors for all their stuff. And they give it to him. Because why? Because the perfect number of plagues, nine, is not perfect enough for me. It's all pointing towards the last one. The last one. This will get my people free. That's what he's talking about, right? Now look at this. One more act. Gather up the jewelry of Egypt. You're about to go. So what's the plague? So Moses says, thus says Yahweh, about midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There will be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been nor will there ever be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that Yahweh makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you, and after that I will go out. This is Moses talking. He's talking to Pharaoh. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. And so then Yahweh said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Wait. We've already had the multiplying of wonders. It's called the nine plagues. They're over. No. This is the wonders being multiplied is the last one, right? That's what it is. The death of the firstborn is the sign. It's so huge, such a great cry, never before, never again, them, not you. And this is why God has hardened Pharaoh's heart so that in this final plague, and the word for plague, by the way, isn't disease. It's wound or strike, this final wound. We've been building up to it. This is the point. This is, in fact, the, the point you're supposed to be seeing as you read. It's, it's like, oh, I'm reading it. I'm not just saying, oh, there's a plague, and there's a plague, and there, oh, there's all these plagues. How wonderful. Let's go to the next part. No, wait, wait. It's all an arrow, a ladder, a point that goes to this last one. That's huge. This is why Pharaoh's heart's been hardened. This is a sign for all generations. This is the image that the Old Testament sings about. This is the act that you're to hide in your heart. It's not the names of the books. It's not the specifics of the laws. It's the highlighted, acted out, important tenth wound. It's today. How, how can I say that? Because isn't it just the same stuff? Moses and Aaron did all these wonders for Pharaoh. The Pharaoh hardened Pharaoh's heart. He didn't let the people of Israel go. Yeah, because there's this last one. And, and, and here it is. This is why I say it even. It's the beginning of months. It's the beginning of months. What? Yeah, did you see? Look at this. Chapter 12, verse 1. Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. Very formal statement. This month shall be for you the beginning of months. 
It shall be the first month of the year for you. Wait. What? Come on, it's like I said today. Okay, you guys, I know it's November 7th, but this will be the first day of the month for the rest of your life. We're going to restart your entire calendar. We will now call November 7th, January 1st. And I want to change all your calendars. And now every year when you come around and you hit January 1st, the beginning of the new year, you're going to know this is the start for you. Why? Because this is what? So important. It's like, he didn't do that for the frogs. He didn't do that when he gave them the law. He didn't do that in any time except right here. This is the day you will restart your calendar. And forever, you hit the beginning of the year, you'll hit again with, oh, why is this the beginning of the year for me? Not because the lunar month started. Because of this event. You know the event. But somehow we're more familiar with the Ten Commandments than the event they're supposed to remember forever and restart their calendar around. We're more familiar with other parts. of This is their thing. You're going to do Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses for lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation shall kill their lambs at twilight. Whoa. Okay, now something weird's going on. Why do I say something weird? Because I know the plague. You've been through the plagues with me, right? And God said, I will send swarms of flies upon Egypt. And God said, I will send frogs like they'll never be piles of dead frogs all over. They didn't have to do anything. God just did it. And now, again, the wait. Now he says to Israel, I want you to act this out with me. What are they acting out? You take a perfect lamb. Okay, well, I kind of get that. They're searching all over. They're going to have every family, about every six people or so, probably going to have a lamb, and there's probably 600,000 people. So you got, you got, you know, 100,000 lambs. Don't know where they're going to get them all, but they did. And then you wait three days with them, four days with them, and then I want you to every single person go kill their lamb. Come on. Think about what this looks like. There's going to be a line around you. Have you seen a long line at Costco? This line's going to around Costco 14 times. Everybody owning a lamb. They're going to come up and they're going to slit the lamb's throat and kill the lamb. Over and over and over and over. Like 100,000 times worth. What a picture. And they shall take some of the blood, verse 7, and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house in which they eat it. They're going to wipe it on each side, right in the top of the door, these bloody smears. And having done that, they're going to eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not let eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall eat, let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. Okay, I don't want to make this as a huge, heavy thing, but I'm really glad he let him burn some of it because 
I don't know if you've ever had different parts of goat and lamb. There's some parts that should be burned. <laughs> to eat all of it, I'm going, oh, no, Lord, really? Do I have to? He says, well, if you don't make it through all of it, you can burn it. So <laughs> those intestines are definitely going on the fire. <laughs> but, but, but that's it, right? It's not like with butter and garlic and, 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 fine, and fine slices of lamb. No, it's with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. It's not with fine wine and sort of kicking back. It, it, it's ready to go, right? That's what he says. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened and your sandals on and your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is Yahweh's Passover. I mean, th- this is what it is. You're ready to go. This is the rescue. Yet that's what this is saying. It's like, I'm going to do one more, and finally he'll let you go, and then I'll rescue you. He's saying, no, do this. You're doing all this stuff ready to go because this is the rescue. It is so closely tied together that you're eating the lamb and you got your staff in your hand and you're, you're eating the travel bread because you're ready to book. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and all the gods of, on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am Yahweh. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague, no wound will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Right? This blood marks where I'm sparing you. It's not because you deserve it. It's because this is my rescue. I told you to do it. This, 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 this. This is the important thing. Never forget it. I mean, that's, this, is, this is what he says. Look, this day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to Yahweh throughout your generations, as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the, on the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats leaven from the first day until the seventh day, that person will be cut off from Israel. It's so important. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly. On the seventh day, a holy assembly. No work shall be done for those days. But what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared for you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. This unleavened bread, right? Forever. Why? Remember that you were delivered from slavery. That that's, that's what the unleavened bread is doing, right? It's reminding you you've got nothing. And in the first month from the 14th day of the month, at the evening you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month in the evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what's leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he's a sojourner or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in your dwelling places. You shall eat unleavened bread. So in the midst of poverty, in the midst of eating cardboard, because... You've eaten our communion bread. That's unleavened bread. That's the cardboard. 
your salvation comes. In the midst of it, kill the lamb, right? So then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that's in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that's in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. So you take a bucket and you get the herb stuff and you put it in there and you touch your doorpost and you get the blood on there just like he said. And then you stay inside. You stay inside. For Yahweh will pass through and strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, then Yahweh will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons. How long? Forever. And when you come to the land that Yahweh will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. Oh, and it keeps going. And when, when, your, when your kids say to you, what do you mean by this service? What are you doing? You shall say it is the sacrifice of Yahweh's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but he spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and they worshiped. And the people of Israel went and did so as Yahweh had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. Okay. Remember, this is what God has done. This, and this is how he did it, how he sacrificed people in Egypt and hardened Pharaoh's heart and made a whole production with nine plagues of building power and difficulty, and it's a spotlight on number 10. This event, and we could stop here. This is what commanded, this is what they did, and this is the way the Old Testament works too. They want you to know something, they keep repeating it. Wouldn't work very well in my house. One of our favorite things is you've said that to me already. <laughs> I won't say I say that or my wife says that, but we both probably utilize that statement some. I think you told me that already 12 times. In the Old Testament, like, yeah, that's because you need to know this. This is, this, is, this is what you need to know, and this is what some of us don't even know. This is amazing. Take it in with me, and I just want to walk through with me the, the wound of deliverance, the, this wound. What is it? So, so now it happens. He told, God told him Moses is going to happen. Moses tells the people it's going to happen. Now God actually does it, and it's all recorded three times. So at midnight, Yahweh struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock and Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians and there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where someone was not dead. And then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night. He said, up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel and go serve Yahweh as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said and be gone. Bless me also. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out the land in haste. Get away. For they said, we shall all be dead. 
So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up, and their cloaks on their shoulders. And the people of Israel also had done as Moses told them, for they'd asked the Egyptians for their silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And Yahweh had given people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. They just had to say, hey, give me your stuff. And they yeah, you take it. We're going to die. Just go away. The people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot. Besides women and children, so it's more than 600,000. Now you're talking about a million, a million two, a million five. Mixed multitude also went up with them, very much livestock, both flocks and herds. Yeah, the only livestock left in Egypt. And they baked unleavened cakes out of the dough they'd brought out of Egypt, for it wasn't leavened because they were thrust out of Egypt and couldn't wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. So part of the unleavened bread was this idea that with the plague, it's so intimately tied up with their deliverance that they got pushed out so fast because that's the connection that they didn't even have time to leaven their bread. So the bread is unleavened. So they're eating unleavened bread because of the deliverance of God. Right? The time the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of Yahweh went out from the land of Egypt. The host just means the army, the people there. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to Yahweh by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. Do you hear? They did nothing. God delivered his people. And this is the sign for his people forever. This entire culminating huge point of deliverance is deliverance through death, through blood, the sacrifice of a perfect lamb, blood smeared over them, taken in and eaten, and, and, and then the buildup of the plagues, and even the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. The heart, <laughs> that's what I just don't get, Dax. Why does Pharaoh's heart get hard? So God could get you to this plague. So God could forever make sure that you see this is the deliverance. Why is he doing that? You know it, right? We read it earlier. The Bible ends this way. Who is worthy to open the scrolls of judgment? Who is worthy to be worshipped by everybody? It's the Lamb of God. Who is the Lamb of God? Who is he? Well, you know, right? I'll just put one. You could put hundreds of references. A lot, hundreds is too many. This is John the Baptist who sees Jesus coming towards him. And he says, what? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The message for Israel was the blood of the Lamb will save you. I will pass over you, I who deal death rightly to a hardened and sinful humanity. And yet there's a savior. And this is 1,500 years before Jesus. 
But in the fullness of time, Jesus would come, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the one who says, by my blood, you are forgiven of your sin, that they will rescue you from death eternal. And, and, and he's set up the whole plan the whole time is this God who has a plan and he's making it visible in the Old Testament to point to the greater thing of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Well, well, how is Jesus in the frogs? How is Jesus in the flies? How is Jesus in the boils? He said, no, 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 you don't get it. It's a buildup. So you actually say, where's the beef? Forget it. I'm sorry. That was an old reference and I'm, I'm dating myself. I should definitely have said, where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? Where's the weight? Where's the picture? He says, hold it. Hold it there. Say, I'm just showing you I'm powerful with these flies. I'm just showing you I can stop and start creation with these frogs. I can show you that I control everything with the hail. I control the weather. I can. He's God Almighty. And he says, but the thing you got to know is this one. So hold on, Pharaoh. Harden that heart because I want to show you. This is the thing. What is it? There's a lamb. And he dies for you. And you can be in him, saved by God from the very wrath that you deserve rightly, right? I'm part of the world that this is it. I pray you would simply be amazed this morning that we proclaim that salvation is by the blood of Christ alone, that he has done it, that his work is enough, that his sacrifice saves to telestai, he says, it is finished. And he means the work of salvation for you forever, simply by receiving that. And it's so good that there's more parts to the Bible. It's so good that the law is there to push us and prod us and show us that, boy, we need a Savior. I sure can't do this on my own. It sure is crushing this good law that God gives. It says I should never be angry, and I should never, like, ever lust, and I should never, ever do anything wrong. And I get it. I get it. I get it. It's, it's good. It's good. It's just impossible. To tell us that. Behold the Lamb of God. And Pharaoh and the principalities of this world, they hang on to us. God, who has enabled you today and has put you in this body where you hear, this is the thing. Trust Jesus. Trust the Lamb. Trust that he's done it. Trust his blood. And you just trust it. And guess what? You're his. You're his. And it is God against the principalities of this world. It is us standing in his armor, righteous because of him. Oh, having confidence because of him. Because he really has done it. This is the event. Please see that this morning. Go back and read it, the whole thing. We'll get to touch it one more time a little bit next week. But this is what we cherish, that God, our God, has done this for us. He provided the lamb. And all of these pictures were worth it. All of the suffering is worth it. As he points to the coming king, born in a manger, living a perfect life, dying on a cross for us. That's why Jesus is the message. The whole Bible screams his name. Receive him, will you? Let's pray.